Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Paul Barron, welcome to It's TechTastic. It's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Christian, it's nice to be here with you and your audience. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So you've got a background and you represent the type of person I love talking to of being a serial entrepreneur. And you've taken a different path than most of the people that I've talked to. And I'd really like to jump in and really understand how you go about identifying the opportunities that you seem to uh, repeatedly find and scale up. So I'm happy to talk about specific examples of what I've done over the last 20 years or so. But my process usually involves with me uh, finding a product or a company or manufacturer or developer of technology or consumer packaged good or some product or service that is not in the United States or doesn't have a market for it or there's a real market opportunity for it, but it's a foreign manufactured resource product. And generally these companies have found me or I've found them. Um, generally my process, to use your word, is that, that I'm online and I'm surfing for things or things find me and I yell to my wife in another room in the house and I say, hey honey, come take a look at this. Rather than doing it, my process is, or her process is, she cuts up my credit cards and changes the passwords <laughs> on my bank account because she goes, here we go again, Paul's going to invest in something crazy. My current venture, the wall printer, which is a vertical printing machine, really cool technology that was introduced to me by a German company um, who wanted to find its audience here in the United States. I loved the product. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and I hadn't seen anything like it before. And I think I'm a fairly normal consumer. Some may argue the point about the normal part, but as a consumer, if I see something that has some value to me, that is a solution to a real problem I might be having, or will increase the value of my life, my business, whatever, you know, I may purchase it if I can afford it and it, and it has true value to me. So with that said, here was something I had never seen or heard about before. That's very unusual. Some of my other companies that I've represented prior to this included things that are more mainstream. There was a baby bottle manufacturer in Austria that had a very innovative design that wanted to find its audience here in the US. Um, there was an established market for that, baby bottle, baby goods, retail outfits, things like that. They just wanted to introduce their product um, along with the other products, but it had enough cool technology embedded in it that it was innovative and it was different. So I took that on. There were other products like a media board in, in Israel that wanted me to represent them. That to me was like a dog with fleas. Um, it, <laughs> it was, it, it didn't really add any value or anything else. And I basically told them that this was not the right market or the right product for our market. And I wasn't interested in it. Um, I had a very successful relationship with a Russian technology company that did audio video communications technologies. Um, navigation system technologies, and they wanted their technology embedded on chips. Um, this was 20 years ago, and it, every music clip that you that you hear on a iPhone or iPad, iPod, which I think is defunct now, um, you know, all of those products made by Apple, where a music clip is paid, played with MP3 technology, that was the technology from this Russian company that I licensed to the U.S. to Apple. 
everybody that you see with CSI, they track you down with the GPS chip on your phone and know where you are and what you're doing in the core of all navigation systems today. That was a Russian technology I licensed to Samsung. So this is the kind of thing that I've done, taken, taken technology that was innovative and brought it here. The German company that approached me with the wall printer when I found that, and they wanted me to do that because of my reputation and help them market it. But I stopped being a hired gun a long time ago. And what I mean by that is I'm, I, I'm not a commissioned salesperson anymore. Um, I made a lot of money doing that, but I got so in love with some of the products that I was representing that I wanted to own them because I had my own ideas of how to bring them further into the market. When I found that there was, let's say, somebody who wanted something that did this, but they also wanted it to do that. And if I found that there was an opportunity for that and a real demand, I wanted to have that control. And I couldn't do that as just a salesman for these companies. Um, I had to actually have equity or own it. And so this German company wouldn't offer that to me, even though I thought it was the coolest product I'd ever seen. So after I finished my conversations with them and told them I wasn't interested in doing business with them, I said, why haven't I seen this product before? Let me do my homework. Kind of the same homework my customers do today. Uh, this is really what anybody you know should do is do your homework. Find out, you know, are you representing or are you building? Are you developing a solution where there's a real problem out there in the market or a real need or an opportunity? For me, putting artwork on walls was a real open field. Everybody wants something, whether you paint on a wall, whether you put a vinyl sticker up there, a painted picture, um, whatever you want to have. Most people want their walls decorated with something. There's opportunity. There's certainly no lacking walls, indoors, outdoors, etc. And there are very limited ways to put artwork on walls. Hand painting, as I said, stickers, frame, frame pictures. So I decided to pursue this. And I found out there really were only a handful literally five companies in the world that made this type of machine with this technology called vertical printing where it was like an inkjet printer on steroids mm. that a printhead went up and down as opposed to the enclosed printhead on your 100 desktop printer or 200 desktop printer this is a thirty thousand dollar machine the german product by the way was 60 or seventy thousand dollars i value a well-engineered product but just because something says made in america or made in germany it requires you to do, do your homework. Is this really the product that has the value of what you are being charged for? Um, I found that that was not the case here. I found that of those five companies worldwide, there was one other company that had a really good commercial quality product. It was manufactured in China. It was actually the originator of the technology. It preceded the German company. It was a lot more robust in some of the features it had. And so I pursued a relationship with them. And now I own the company and all the rights to the Western Hemisphere. We, I co-own three patents with the Chinese manufacturer. We manufacture inks here in the United States. Um, we've developed a floor printer as well, which prints on floors as well as walls. And so that that's my journey and that's where I am today. So we tend to think of innovation as principally happening in just a few centers, right? The Bay, uh, Silicon Forest, maybe Tel Aviv, and um, occasionally like Raleigh or something like that, but mostly Silicon Valley, right? I travel enough, I've been around the world, I was like in 37 countries in the last six months, that I see that that's not necessarily true, right? You go to Japan, like if you go into Tokyo, you'll see things that still feel like the future here in the States. And so what's interesting to me is like, you, it's almost like you've got a broader perspective and a worldview that allows you to uh, take a look around and say, wow, there's this is something amazing. And I think it would have a market back home, which is maybe not unique, but it sure feels unique. So that was the first. 
The second was understanding the true value of what it is. This is something we talk about a lot with understanding your customer, understanding what their real want and desire is so that you can deliver that. And it might, to your point earlier, uh, made in America or made in Germany might mean quality, but doesn't mean that that's what's needed for this particular product or service to be in market. Maybe that's not the, the value driver for it. Uh, and, and being able to understand that well enough that you can say, this is something I should take somewhere else. The third is a very long time ago, uh, 30 years ago, I was actually in the, I was in a prototype lab for Tektronix building their phase change printers, uh, which went on to become the Xerox phaser printers, which I, I don't know if they're still made, but they were commercial print on anything printers. And so uh, it's a space I happen to know a lot about 30 years ago, but I also find fascinating today because a lot of what we talked about then isn't, is still not in market now. The, the capabilities of a modern 3D printer, for example, that was something we were already talking about then at much higher resolutions and in many, many more materials than even the most expensive commercial 3D printers today. And so I'm, I'm just fascinated with that particular subject. It feels like, uh, yeah, the future we envision still isn't here. You've said a couple of things too that resonate with me and I think should resonate with your audience. Technology or, or actual product-based or service-based solutions, we talk about innovation a lot and people can create things, just as you said. But to me, the entrepreneurial journey that is going to be successful or the introduction or manufacturing of any product um, is going to be successful if it handles two things. There's innovation, but there's also adoption. Mm -hmm. And so you need to understand, and I, I put both of those in the same breath when I think about what is worth an entrepreneur's investment in what I call the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Any business needs all three of those components. And you may have the time to do something, you may have to enlist or you have yourself the talent to develop something or create something or build something. And then of course the treasure finances if needed um, to actually bring a product to fruition and then to market. Um, so all of these things have to be considered time, talent, and treasure. But adoption, to me, I've always been focused, as you've said, you know, turning it upside down is I always look for where is the opportunity based on the need. Maybe that's because I'm not the creative entrepreneur. I'm not the guy who really has invented or created something. I look at something that somebody else has created and say, how can I make that better? How can I introduce it and really see what components in this really solve a problem or what needs to be done to improve upon it. I've been better with that, which is, you know, I, I'm more of a collaborator than a creator. You know, two heads are better than one. Uh, you know, you never know what ideas you're gonna get from somebody. And as much as I like to talk about what I'm doing, I also prefer just as I just did in hearing your version and spin on this, you, you learn more by listening than talking. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, definitely, you know, what I, I think is at the core of any successful um, entrepreneur in their business is, you know, listen to your market, listen to your customers, who your customers want to be. Are you solving a problem? Is there an innovation that is going to create adoption of whatever it is you're doing? As my audience knows, there was a former podcast I did back in 2008 called Success You, and it was interviewing successful entrepreneurs and just going through like their battles where they learned their lessons. And I personally learned more from just doing that podcast and interviewing people that have been down the path than my own, you know, at that point, 20 years experience doing it. I, I felt like I just gained so much from those conversations and listening to people tell me their stories. And in our brief so far, I've already uh, learned a couple things. And I find that I thank you for that already. For, I talk about the same things, but in a little bit different way. 
I, I appreciate the fact that, that you like that. Um, I don't even take credit for that. I stole that from somebody else. So feel free to steal it from me. Um, <laughs> you definitely, you know, learn from others. And what is it? The imitation is the best form of flattery. So yes. you, you pick those nuggets that resonate with you, along with everything that I've said up to this point. You know, to me, it's also about those relationships. So just as you say, you may have two of those three elements, um, but you, you need to find eventually all three to really make a successful venture um, or product or service or whatever. For me, it's always been about relationships. Maybe because the hats I learned early on, I wore best with those sales and marketing hats. I, my background was mathematics for education, computer science, but I, I just learned enough to be dangerous and not thrown out of a room of programmers when they would tell me it would take two years and $2 million to do something. And I know, no, I think it really take two weeks and about $200. I wanted to be able to have that behind me walking into a room with people that knew more than I did, but I respect what they do and what they know. And so, you know, it, it's also, you know, nobody's journey, don't expect it to be a trajectory. You know, that hockey stick is a fantasy. It doesn't happen. It goes with be nice to the people you see on the way up because they're the same people you're going to see on the way down. My journey has not, not been a trajectory by any means. It's had its valleys and it's had its peaks. And I probably learned more from the valleys than the peaks. You know, I, I don't call those failures, even though they might have been financial, call them lesser successes and learning experiences. So again, all of these things together, you know, have to be factored into the journey. Absolutely. Actually, you you touched on something that I'm, I'm very passionate about within my teams or just when I'm coaching or mentoring or just having a conversation around it. And it's you have to look at anything you do in life as being a learning experience. And, and for me, that means it's applying the scientific method to it. And I might have a hypothesis that this product, this company, this opportunity is X, and I'm gonna form a experiment in the form I'm gonna create a company, I'm gonna create a product to match that. And as I go out and experiment, I put it in market, I'm gonna find out whether or not that that's true. Failure is just a confirmation that it wasn't true. It's telling me that, that my hypothesis was incorrect. And now I adjust my hypothesis and I, run another test. Uh, the entrepreneurial journey, the whole, like everybody has multiple failures before they have their first success. I'm like, I hate the thought of it as a failure. It was just my hypothesis was incorrect and I adjusted. And if you if you take that to heart, it's a lot less painful when those, well, misses happen because some people are absolutely devastated by it. Yeah, you almost have to anticipate that. Oh, yeah. You know, you, know, you have to expect that, you know, and, and that doesn't only go to development, you know, and, and creation of something. It also goes to the marketing end of things. You know, I just had a meeting with my team this morning. Uh, we, we have a new plan for how to market our the, the and, and differentiate our features from that of some competitive products. In so doing, you know, I, you know, we came up with a lot of ideas. And I said, well, do your A-B testing, you know, try the ad with, yeah. this, with these words or try these words with this picture and that with that picture. In, in marketing, just as in development, you're going to, you know, want, something is going to resonate, something is going to work and something won't. And those aren't, those aren't points to, to really have a lot of disappointment. They're just getting you more to where, you know, what the final destination is, which is hopefully a customer that's buying into what you're selling for the right reasons, which is really what you want to you don't want somebody's expectations not to be met by what you're doing. That's as important as anything else. So you have to make sure not only are the features and benefits that you're offering in your service product, your software development, your you know hard good product, whatever, does meet those expectations. Keep on trucking. Keep that, your eyes open, your ears open. Interact with people. I do enjoy connections. You never know, again, whether you can be a trusted resource to somebody or they can be a trusted resource to you. They don't have to be the customer for you today. They may be tomorrow or they may know somebody. So I use LinkedIn a lot. 
uh, just for connecting with people. Not an advertisement for LinkedIn, but it is a more professional network than TikTok or Facebook or you know YouTube or things like that, where you can actually connect with people that have similar backgrounds or that may want what you offer. So feel free to you know search for Paul Barron and reach out and and connect with me, happy to do that. If anybody is interested in actually what I'm doing today with the wall printer, they can go to thewallprinter.com and find out more about that and about me. Paul, thank you for joining the show. That was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. It is always great to hear the perspective of other entrepreneurs and their experiences. And Paul, you definitely brought one that for me was eye-opening. I hadn't really uh, considered doing anything other than building something from new. And the idea that you can look around the world and see opportunities everywhere, uh, not just in your own backyard, was really a, a great motivator to rethink many things that I thought of as a core to the experience. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I wanna thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.